So today's lesson text comes from the book of 1 Samuel, verses 1 through 20. Now there was a certain man of Ramathaim, a Zuphorite from the hill county of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jeroham, son of Elihu, son of Tohu, son of Zuph, an Ephraimite. He had two wives, and the name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other, Paniah. Paniah had children, but Hannah had no children. Now this man used to go up year by year from his town to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Shiloh, where two sons of Eli, Hopni and Phinehas, were priests of the Lord. On the day when Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to his wife Paniah and to all her sons and daughters, but to Hannah he gave a double portion because he loved her. And through the Lord, and though the Lord had closed her womb. Now our rival used to provoke her severely and to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. So it went on year by year as often as she went up to the house of the Lord, her rival used to provoke her. Therefore Hannah wept and wouldn't eat, and her husband Elkanah said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? Why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? Now after they had eaten and drunk at Shiloh, Hannah rose and presented herself before the Lord. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. And Hannah was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she made this vow. O Lord of hosts, if you will only look on the misery of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give you to your servant a male child. Then I will set him before you as a Nazarite until the day of his death. He shall never, he shall drink neither wine nor intoxicants, and no razor shall ever touch his head. And as she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying silently and only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she was drunk. So Eli said to her, How long will you make a drunken spectacle of yourself? Put away your wine. But but Hannah answered, No, my lord, I am I'm a woman deeply troubled, and I've drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I've been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for I've been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation all this time. Then Eli answered, Go in peace. The God of Israel grant the petition you have made him. And she said, Let your servant find favor in your sight. And then the woman went to her quarters, ate and drank with her husband, and her countenance was no longer sad. Now the family rose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord, and then they went back to their house at Ramah. Elkanah knew his wife Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. In due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son, and she named him Samuel. For she said, I have asked him of the Lord. The reading of the word. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts may be an honor and glory to you. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to obviously fix my mic real quick. 
Let's see if this works. So as we start our lesson in the book of 1 Samuel, it's important to get the background and where we stand making this big of a jump from Easter. Now the Old Testament's biggest moment is probably Moses. You know it from films like Prince of Egypt or the Ten Commandments, where a very charming Charleston Heston stands up to Pharaoh. And if we want to put it in American terms, Moses is the revolutionary war of the nation of Israel. It's when they have unlimited possibilities and they overthrow tyranny and everything is completely rainbows from then on out, right? Well, the book preceding Samuel is the book of Judges. And if we were to put that in American terms, it, it is the wild, wild west. And it's the books of Joshua and Judges that tend to get the Old Testament in a tad bit of trouble because to be honest, they have a Conan the Barbarian look at religion sometimes. These guys are rough and they are tumbly and they are diamonds in the rough. We get used to reading the New Testament where Christ is, well, he's perfect. There's nothing in him that's offensive. He's sinless. These characters in the Old Testament, they are not sinless. They are unrefined by the fire. The gold and the rough ore and the iron, they hang out together. The book of Judges sums up this time period immediately preceding Samuel with the words, everyone did as they saw fit. That sums up everything that's going on in the Israelite world coming up to the book of Samuel. And as we look at the book of Samuel, it's going to be a book of really big changes. If Moses was the revolution, Samuel is going to be the civil war. It's going to split up families. It's going to have lost causes, great generals that fail in Saul, and it's going to be complex. Now, coming up to the civil war, you think that people would want great leaders. All those leaders and judges like Samson, they'd be really good to have on your side when it's time to marshal the troops. It was a time of lawlessness and people hurting one another, so maybe we needed a new sheriff in town, a gunslinger. Well, in the story and the narrative immediately preceding this, we have the same situation as Hannah. We have a woman who's barren. She prays to get a son, and she gets a boy and names him Sunshine. But Samson goes down swinging. The, the rough and tumble guy, he goes down in flames, tearing a temple down on top of himself. Now maybe in this time of civil war and cultural strife, the people of Israel being a religious nation, being the Bible folk, needed a strong religious leader. We're not going to get into him too much, but I very much invite you to read 1 Samuel chapter 2 at home this upcoming week, because the religious leader that they got at the start of the book of Samuel is not a very good guy. Eli is one of the best examples of a bad priest in the Bible. He is completely jaded. He refuses to say anything to anyone that does anything wrong. And in today's story, when he sees Hannah speaking to the Lord, 
The very priest of the temple says, what are you, drunk? He's that cynical and jaded. So anyways, we come up to the book of 1 Samuel. With all this conflict of the Old Testament, and the one thing I just want to make clear today is these people needed a great manly man. They needed a savior. They need someone to bring law and order and everything else. And they got a Christmas story because they got a baby. God's story of deliverance of Israel this time starts with Hannah. Just like in the New Testament, it started with Mary. And just like in the Revolution, it started with Moses' mother. And this portrait of Hannah is very sparse. She's a woman of her time, and her only self-definition is whether she's a mom or not. She doesn't come to the Lord and pray, Lord, would you deliver my nation? She doesn't have any of the lofty goals that weren't in her station to see. We don't know much about her husband other than that he tries to help and it just doesn't go anywhere. Oh, honey, you, you have me. Isn't that just as good as a baby? So it's a family that just wants a kid. And this whole world that is completely messed up that God sends a baby and a deliverer. And this, my friends, is a theme. This ties it into Christmas. This ties it into today. Because we live in a world that is very messed up at times. We have lacks of justice. We sometimes need a gunslinger. We need religious leaders that can stand up and be mature. And you know what God often sends? A baby. It's the very last thing we often feel we need. And this gets to the hard Christmas lesson. We can look at the Old Testament and say it's barbaric times, it's barbaric religion, and everything else. But God's tender answer, his unchanging personality, is the same then as it is in the New Testament. He sends a baby. Psalm 8 says that the Lord will establish a bulwark against his foes, from the mouths of babes, which gets us into a civilized, good-time struggle. We often have this viewpoint, the baby breaks the bank. It's one straw too much. We try to plan everything from families to accidents to health insurance and everything else. Well, let's make it plain here. God makes no accidents when it comes to each and every one of us. We all have a purpose in our life that the Lord has sent us here to fulfill. And you may have not been what everyone thought they needed at the time of your arrival. But this child, Samuel, well, he, like Jesus, is going to be a deliverer. This baby who couldn't pick up a sword, who wasn't Samson and who couldn't fight, was going to ordain a deliverer. And not just any deliverer, he was going to ordain Saul, a deliverer who is strong, stands two feet tall, and was exactly what everyone thought they needed. Samson, Samuel will lose his job as running the people of Israel to give it to Saul, what Israel thinks they absolutely need. But after he loses his job, Samuel will ordain a deliverer. One that won't even be in the room when he, he goes in and asks his dad, hey, who are your boys? Who's important? Jesse will have to call out for that one. 
that's out with the sheep and bring the boy in and he will ordain David from whose lineage Jesus is sprung. And it will be David, the boy of faith, who will finally take his slingshot and pop Goliath right in the eye. See, Samuel, Moses, Jesus, these babies all feel rejection by God's people. Just as we as children oftentimes can feel rejection within our own families. But this rejection, it's what ordains kings. These hard, tough times, that's what really makes the buff Conan manly man. Because God often uses weakness to work. And Samuel's going to be a book of reversal. The people today, Eli is sitting outside of a dusty tabernacle. He's at the town of Shiloh. By the close of the narrative, the high priest will be offering up his hands at Solomon's temple, a complete nation whipped up from the riffraff. Our ethical duty is to see the Lord at work in weaknesses. Our ethical duty as Christians is to speak to situations where the world says it's too weak and it cannot happen. However you do so is how the Spirit leads you. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that you have wanted each and every one of your children, and you give us all a unique purpose. And Lord, if we are black sheep in our own families and don't quite fit, you have assured us that you've got another family for us in your kingdom. Lord, we may not get big inheritances here. It may be some tough going. Help us, as Peter said, to not be surprised by that fiery ordeal, but to keep our eyes on the many mansions that you promised us. But Lord, we are all children of a king. We are all ordained by the spirit of your Messiah. Help us to see the riches that we have so we may aid one another through our weaknesses and you may deliver your nation, your church, and your people. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.